Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us today. So grab a coffee or a tea. In your favourite mug. Let's get settled down and begin this week's conversation. Morning. Good morning. Hi, Claire. Good morning, Katie. I feel really tired. So annoying because like morning's my time, isn't it? Usually. Well, we can shift this around if morning, if morning is, if morning stop. I think I'm tired all the time. You can have like a peak energy, a weird peak energy moment at like 1am or something or like. Yeah, maybe. I think like I was so convinced that kind of, when we spoke, I was like 11 days into treatment and I was like, Not, I totally got yeah. this. I'm like down with this, a bit of wobbly legs and funny taste in my mouth. That's going to be it. But no, like I think my body's still getting used to yeah. having what must be really strong drugs inside me. So you just feel wiped out, like completely knackered. Yeah. I feel tired in the sense that like my body feels tired I'm not just like oh I could just have a little 20 minute nap and I'll be sprightly again yeah heavy exactly yeah 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 sort of a bone bone deep weary kind of like a yeah 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 so that I was quite surprised like I said that there would be a different feeling and you know what's really weird is like the feeling on the tongue where everything was um bitter now everything's sweet everything yeah it's it's so weird it's such such a trip like so like everything like even if you were having like a bit of marmite or like a bit of cheese you taste that as sweet everything's got this sweet flavor to it I and it's like I'm still thinking like can I actually taste what it is that I'm eating like yeah I can taste it more than usual and the thing is I love sweet and savory mixed I'm I'm like totally all over that so I'm kind of enjoying it and water tastes amazing water tastes like the best kind of squash you've ever had like what like like I was gonna say it's like it's already got cordial in it or something you've already got your elderflower cordial in there already that's exactly what Comes it tastes like a very Straight out the tap. <laughs> it's like yeah. a very mild elderflower <laughs> cordial so so I I was kind of yeah like I say I was kind of surprised I had like a family event on Sunday and it felt like a really kind of long day even though it was just from like 12 till 3 and by the end I was like okay I need to get out of here and um, it actually ended with like a kind of a ceremony in an old age home, which I thought was just very bizarre. It was like, I mean, just how it felt to be yeah. there and um, and kind of feeling like, oh, wow, like there's life in the old age. Like, you know, people are, it's a really nice home, like in these beautiful grounds and um you know, it's like that final chapter in your life when mm. it's about, it's all about like having people around you and family around you and like activities. And yeah, it's interesting, like trying to make that part of your life, like the quality of your life, really something meaningful and special and enjoyable. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it was interesting on Sunday because I think we always, I think that often ill people and old people are kind of invisible in our society yes i agree with you and i just i felt a bit invisible <gasps> oh hi huxley oh don't worry what does he want <laughs> i don't know i don't know he's just had his knackers off oh. so uh, <laughs> he's just 
So he's he's coming back to life after um, his operation last week. I thought everyone was like, take us, you know, get him, get him, get get his knackers off and you'll get a really quiet dog back. No, no. that's not why I did it. We had to do it because, um, yeah, we had to do it. But um, anyway, stop but barking. But secretly, hopefully. we all do it because we hope it's going to calm them the fuck yeah, down. Calm, we do all secretly the hope that. Yeah. And then they sort of, gonna, they come back and like for a day or two, they're like knackered, yeah. excuse the pun. Got, yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. you know. But I wonder if that's where that word comes from. And I think it must be, like knackered. Maybe. And like take the knackers off. Anyway, that's a story for another time. But yeah, I got, a, I got for four days, I got a really docile. Yeah, and you think, yes, it's worked. Like, oh. like, <laughs> should have done this sooner. Now he's, now he's back. To, now he's literally, well, look, you, you probably can't back see Back to his ballsy self. Cone. What do they say? Like never work, never work with like animals or, uh, or children. He's got the cone of shame on. Got the cone of shame on, yeah. The lamp, the lampshade of doom. Yeah, so it was interesting on Sunday because I went to this family event and there were people there who hadn't watched the audios and I hadn't seen. Oh, really? Yeah, and so it was again. I know I talked about this last time, but it was that kind of remind. It was like I'm trying to condense like how my life has completely turned upside down, and it's been now, you know, nearly two months, and I'm I can't possibly condense that into like a 10, 15 minute chat yeah and it's it's actually really helpful to say I'll send you the audios but again yes, it's yeah. that thing of kind of dealing with the reaction to me and you know people like again so well-meaning and not knowing how else to react which I totally get but kind of coming up to me and like taking my arm as though like you know I'm about to fall over and I'm weak which I'm not by the yeah. way I've yeah. got loads yeah, yeah, of weight yeah. and I'm like and that's the yeah. other side of it people going you look so well and it's like okay um but that and it's all well it's all well-meaning isn't it as well and I think there's that like you know people want to embrace you they also but but it, it's so hard to I guess it's so hard for people to know well not now because of what you're doing and I think from part of this you set the agenda now if people listen to this I think they've got a much better idea of like how to treat how to how to approach and talk to and treat someone in your in you know or how you want to be treated in particular but otherwise I, I think people can be quite um quite clueless or or, or or so shocked by what they hear that it sort of fuses any ability to tap into what you might need in that moment because they're understandably so overwhelmed by what they're feeling and I think that's the really interesting sort of balance because what else can I expect from people they don't you know and again we've talked about this before but I what I realize is that for people that listen they find it really useful and what I've definitely noticed is a massive difference with people how they respond to me before they listen to these audios and how different they're just their tone is like when they come back to me after they've listened to it, it's completely different. And I think it is just that thing of like, let's just let's just try to be normal, which what does that really mean, I suppose? Um, but yeah, it was just very, it was a very, uh, I was very aware of like, you know, and these, these people were kind of like my mum's friends. So, you yeah. know, again, you know, they see me as the daughter and like what I'm going yeah. through and how it's affecting her as well. And um, so, yeah, it's all, it's all really well meaning and it's all like really kind and comes from a good place, but it is, it's like, I'm carrying them, you know, like my mum's yeah, yeah. friend was like coming to embrace me and then she said, Oh no, no, no. Like I shouldn't. 
and and I, obviously she was referring to COVID, but I was like, it's okay, cancer's not catchy. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like I felt like I had to throw a joke in there or just like make it all a bit all right, you know. Um, and yeah. I think I think we do do that. I think people in my situation do that. They want to kind of like normalize and they yeah. want to, you know, make a joke or make the other person feel okay. But when we were at this um, ceremony afterwards at this old age home, we were kind of sat down and there were drinks and tea. And I just, again, I just felt, it wasn't that I felt ignored or anything like that. I just had this moment of, am I like the ill person that like people will engage with about the illness, but not really about anything else that's going on. And then when other things are going on, I'm the invisible ill person. Yeah. And I didn't really feel like that for very long but I just could empathize with people that do feel like that and again it goes back to you know that like the conversation about identity you know and you're so many things and things that have been put upon you that you don't necessarily want to be yeah and and also I think I think assumptions maybe that people make about certain illnesses or like even someone not wanting to not wanting to hug you because maybe they're worried that you're that you're fragile or you don't want to hug or that's not an appropriate response yeah, I think educating is a really is a really important part of it, and and you know education diffuses assumptions and preconceptions, and and that's why I think you talking about this all in the way that you are is really important because it's adding a really quite a different perspective on it. Yeah, I mean the other really interesting thing is like also the COVID label, because am I now someone who people are careful around, and like conversely pre-cancer you know, I wasn't scared of COVID and I wasn't living, you know, I was following the rules and, you know, whatever we were told to do at that time. But I wasn't like living a sheltered, shielding life, like quite the opposite. And now... And are you a bit more conscious? Are you more conscious of it now? I am more conscious because I feel like my body is busy yeah, you know, doing getting doing other things like I got a I got a full time <laughs> job. I don't need, I can't have no COVID side hustle. Yeah, I hear exactly you. Yeah. that. Like, how would I take on like more stuff to deal with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I'm kind of becoming a little bit more like learned in, and I don't know anywhere near enough. But the subject of epigenetic epigenetics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know much about it? Not loads, um, but I know that it's something to do with like inherited trauma and the the cells of the body genetically maintain a sort of generational history. Um, so things can be activated like long after the source of the trouble. So it might not be within your lifespan that something is, is captured in your body. It could be several generations back. Um, that it began only to be activated now according to certain amounts of triggers. But you can have like epigenetic, you can have epigenetic work done, like clearing. It's not like, I don't think it's it's not necessarily medical, but I know like energetically um, you can have clearing done. Does that make sense with what you've read? Yeah, well, it's interesting because before I sort of... (laughs) Thank God, thank God, because... (laughs) Today, you're going to just give a potted history of sort of where budgeted. I don't know. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Like, we are not experts. It's something, at all. We're not experts on and this, that's, but it's something like it's that. It's something isn't it? like that. So, yeah. what's interesting is that I thought very much that it was all about more on like an emotional side, like you describe it as trauma, but 
yeah, that like something's been imprinted in your like kind of lineage and your ancestry. Yeah. But it's kept in your cells. And I that think that's stays it. there and your, that yeah. can kind of yeah. be triggered or not triggered. But the thing is, from what I am starting to read and understand is it's not necessarily just a kind of trauma. It can be like your biology. It can be, it is essentially, I think it is like your genes, but it's genes that may not be turned on. And like you said, yeah. and so basically, essentially, your environment is the cause of turning on that gene. So they could lay dormant. And I think epigenetics is like when they come alive again. And essentially, that's, that is what's gone on with me, because this ROS1 gene, as I've already explained, like every fetus has it, and then you yeah. have it as a baby, and then it gets turned off. Yeah. So... You know, so have you become a sort of detective in your own life at the moment, like working out like what could have switched it, what could have switched it on or like, yeah. I'm starting to feel a little bit more, I'm, I'm kind of transitioning into a place where I feel a little less scared to, to delve into what's really going on. Yeah, okay. Um, you know, and there are... I mean, there 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 have been lots of, as we've talked about, lots of questions I haven't asked. I'm starting to feel I could engage with a bit more, like, and I think that that's about sort of, sort of getting used to, or accepting, or realizing that this this is this is this is really okay. happening, and it's, yeah. and so with the epigenetics, um, you know, I'm listening to some podcasts, and I'm like, kind of. Just, just starting to to understand a little bit more. But ultimately, what it means is that yeah, my environment turned the gene on, mm. and I wonder is there a way of discovering what in my environment turned the gene on? And obviously, yeah. like we've talked about IVF, where there's something in that to turn it on. We've talked about yeah, you know, my housework and the stress because it can be it can be stress. stress. Yeah. It can be yeah. like a change in environment, a change in diet. Um, there were factors that went on in the last year that like were different for me in my life. But obviously I thought like I put a question mark over the vaccine and maybe this is really like not good subject matter because it, it you know, there are people that are anti-vax and it's a very, very controversial subject. We're going to get taken off. So we're not on Spotify, so we can't get taken off Spotify for you. Like, all right, Joe Rogan. Yeah, and I don't um, want to, I don't yeah. want to divide people yeah. and I don't have an opinion on it. But of course that yeah. was a question for me. Yeah, when, yeah, yeah. when I put yeah. it to him, he, he absolutely said no. No way, you yeah. know. And I, I also did put it to one of the other doctors along the way. I can't remember which one. And they said no. But you're going to have these. You're going to have these questions because you're scanning for like what it could have, what it could be. Yeah. So exactly. But- so I actually sent an email to an epigenetics expert. Oh really? Yeah. Nessa Carey is her name. Nessa, Nessa Carey, C A R E Y, and she's written a couple of books, and she is like incredibly skilled and knowledgeable about epigenetics and I I just wrote to her and I just said told her my situation and I said could it have been something to do with IVF could it have been something to do with I know it sounds crazy the house renovations that's probably like the furthest thing that it could be no but I think intense stress and worry and consternation and your entire living situation being upended 
it means you don't have a it means that you're constantly enervated you're constantly stressed yeah. you're constantly angry and also but more, more than that you also don't have a space to drop down and like let your parasympathetic nervous system take over exactly. you don't, you're, you're, you're always in a fight and flight and that's tremendously stressful for the body yeah so I don't I don't think you can you know I think what's really interesting for me as well is like that even talking about it brings yeah. some of that back so that's incredibly fascinating to me that my and I find this happening my my body has a response to even to talking about suggest yeah the suggestion the suggestion of, um, and that's also really powerful but it's also but, but then I think that's a good that's a good way into understanding like that well not that it, but it's a good signal for how stressful how much you put yourself through during that that time and how stressful it was so that's a good bodily cue to not discount it as something that was really um yeah hugely stressful in your life it's a bit like just saying you have a bodily response it's a bit like you know when you've been food poisoned or if you've got had a really bad hangover and just the idea of the drink that you were drinking or like the food that you ate literally makes you want to vomit again <laughs> It's sort of like you know, you know, you've been poisoned, but you know, you've been poisoned. I couldn't, I, I couldn't think, drink tequila for years after my years. first experience of drinking it and vomiting badly with it. Oh. Years and years, and Mine weirdly, was, like yeah. I can't drink coffee at the moment. I haven't. I love yeah. coffee. Something in my body is saying, "Don't drink it," and it's been like that since like the day I found out I had cancer. Really? So I was going to say, is it is it a later thing that's come along with the meds? But it's is it been since you you got your diagnosis? And I'm a massive coffee drink. Like I love coffee. Like we've got a proper coffee machine in the house, and you know I've like so it's really weird. My body just will not does not want a coffee. Yeah. So you're right. Like, what did you call it? Body intu- intuition, but you shortened it, and it sounded oh, cool. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, did I? I had no idea what I just said, but something like that. Yeah, like the body. Uh, there's another there's another book by, by, by a guy there's loads of books in the world Claire Ugh. but it, it's not on the subject of epigenetics but there's a book Bessel van der Kolp Kolp well, I just wrote it the other day but I can't remember the actual name but it's a, body, it's a book called um, The Body Keeps the Score mm. and it's basically how stress and trauma I'm not sure if there's an epigenetic link within that but he says you know like it, 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 it you know, stress and trauma stays in the body unless it's dispersed and it, and it does lead to like disease and, and illness yeah so, and I was you know. actually just thinking because I have I have seen like a shame before in the past yeah, I'm not sure if that's too. what she calls herself and I went to see her a couple of times and it is a bit like feathers and um spirit guides yeah. feathers and gongs and she does do a bit of um five elements acupuncture which is yeah. quite a painful one but I felt incredibly because you know yeah we definitely hold this stuff and I yeah, felt yeah. like you know she moved stuff for me 100% so yeah. I'm really like up for that um but yeah, I, I would be interested because the thing is, you know, there are people out there who study epigenetics and like in specific areas, you know, mm. so there will, and I'm hoping good old Nessa, she might know, she might have access to someone that's looking at either fertility or IVF and epigenetics. Mm. So we'll see yeah. if she writes back. I don't know. She might not, but I just thought, look, you know, I'd be interested to start exploring that a little bit. Um and like I say, you know, ask those questions because I think the oncologists, I'm not sure. I don't know if they are as interested in finding a reason, like in understanding. Yeah, they're probably not. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. about they curing it and understanding what have your symptoms it. been. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it's not about it's not about prevention or yeah you're right it's not about understanding any moment before they before you meet them it's just supporting you and curing you yeah and moving you forward I've got a call with um I had to do a little bit more admin pushing but I've finally (laughs) got a call with um Dr Newbold on Monday um, because I haven't actually spoken to her. She left me a message and I emailed her, but I haven't actually spoken to her since I started the treatment. Um, so I want to, yeah, just have like a check-in and tell her where I am with it. I mean, like I say, this cough's really amazing that it's cleared up. But really lifting. It's really like I'm hardly coughing, but I have got a different sensation in my throat. And... It's like sometimes a bit sore, sometimes feels like it could be the start of something. And, you know, whereas in my nature, I just go, oh, it's fine. And anyway, they'll they'll soon discover it if it's cancer or something. I'm actually going, I need to make sure that they know that I'm feeling this and give them, you know, give them the opportunity to... Dismiss it, not you. You, you don't dismiss it, they dismiss it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was so I so I'm kind of building myself up a little bit for that call because I do feel ready to ask her, you know, maybe a bit more about what does she see with the treatment long term and you know, even talking about it, it's quite hard because I think there's definitely things I don't know and I haven't asked about and I'm nervous to ask about. Mm. Um but it's almost like there's almost this elephant in the room which is like I know they can't cure this gene turning off. I know I'll have to have medicine for that, always treatment for that. But what about all the other stuff that's going on? You know, like taking out the cancer, what will that do? And like one of the things that Sanjay said was, you know, cancer is very clever. I think I might have said that. And it's like, oh, I don't want to give it too much credit. But like if anyone knows, he knows. And my interpretation of that is like, it just finds a way, it finds its way, you know? So it's, yeah, it's really like, there's hard questions and it's interesting because I wonder what other people do. I do. I wonder like, do they want to know everything at once? I definitely couldn't. Didn't. Yeah. Yeah. But there's only so much you can take on. And I think there's only so much you're, you can titrate into your brain and your and your emotion, your emotions to deal with at one po- at any one point. Yeah. And as you say, like this feels like you've had you're, you're, you've had to gather your strength to to ask these questions, you know. And and it is whenever you want to ask them is the is the right time, you know. Yeah, I think that's something that's really important, and it's not really in my nature. Time again, here we are, like just trusting that in the right time, you know, that strength or whatever it is, just that ability, like, will come because it definitely wasn't there at the beginning, you know. And then there's also, like, my reality and Dinch's reality. Like, that's also, like, last night we were talking about how he has kind of, this has made him think about my mortality. Yeah. You know, and what his life would be like you know and that like my first my first response to that is like don't I didn't say it but it's like don't think about that yeah don't Don't think think like that I don't need again I don't need that energy but yeah of course he's gonna 
think about that. Like whenever yeah. that will be. And he actually said, look, I think you're probably going to outlive me if I'm honest. Like he said that to me. <laughs> um, but it's just what I realise he's saying is like, it's made him think about it in a real way. You know, what would his life be like? And, you know, he's not from here. So he's, he's built a life. I mean, he's got his daughter here, you know, and she's a huge part of our lives. But there's a lot of life that's mine in a way. And even though I can say to him, but all my family love you and all my friends love you, I think he kind of wonders, like, he's thought about what it would be like and what it would feel like. And it's interesting because I think, you know, I'm not there to kind of make him feel like I could say to him, but but Dinch, you've got my friends and family. What do you mean? You've got a whole life and my life and your life, it's intertwined and it's the same. But I, I'm kind of learning to let him have his experience of what this is. You know, instead of trying to make him feel a different way, which he doesn't. This is how he feels, you know. Um, and I think it's it's also, like I say, accepting that he's not vibrating my mortality (laughs) you know it's not that he's kind of pondering on it but it's made him think about it and it's made him wonder and you know it's a big thing I mean it was funny on Sunday going to this family event because my cousin who's from New York originally but she's kind of maybe moving to Athens and she's like she's really cool she's a really cool girl she's like in her 30s and She's like very in tune. I feel like she kind of, she knows what's like her generation. They're just amazing. They've got like a real social conscience that we didn't have. And they're just tuned in in a way that I don't know. I just find it amazing. And she said, you know, there's a real industry in, oh God, I can't remember what she called it, but basically like death. <laughs> I mean, like, like, like death doulas, death doulas and like death cafes and yeah. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole world out there of learning to talk about death because we don't in the Western world. We don't. Like, it's very much part of the Eastern world, isn't it? You know, like, even the way they drive in Delhi because, like, they're not scared of dying, you know. <laughs> as long as the cows don't die, like, they're totally fine with it. <laughs> yeah, crack on. Be corn. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, I myself have experienced those kind of conversations. I'm part of this organisation um, it's like a creative Jewish media network and called Reboot and it's amazing. Yeah. And basically the people in it are so brilliant and they're always coming up with ideas and they're really activating them. And one of them is called Death by Dinner. And it's like you basically get, I mean, imagine like a murder mystery night, but it's a night all about death. So you get like a pack, a pack. you invite people around close friends or family you know I think they recommend however many eight or nine or ten I've done two of them and you sit around the table and you've got a few like you maybe got a candle and you know a few kind of objects but ultimately there's triggering questions that let you talk about someone that's passed and what that's felt like and you know and you start to kind of like just talk about it you know you have your own narrative about that person and that experience and then you go on to talk about your own kind of outlook on it and it seems you know it seems quite outrageous to some people even the concept of it and really hard for some people really really hard but it's it's really cathartic and it's also just really interesting that like 
these things, there's a demand for still, this. And, but it's still quite taboo. Like, it's, it, we don't have the vocabulary. We don't have the vocabulary for it. Like, it's so emotionally uncomfortable to broach these subjects or, or to even think about our own, our own, our own mortality. Um, I think it's a Buddhist practice, isn't it? Or there's a Buddhist meditation where you have to imagine, you have to imagine your own death or imagine the, you know, death of loads of people that you love. And, um, and it brings you back into a, a, a very much sort of greater appreciation of, of, of the now and your life and your gifts and your strength and your talents and, you know, the web of love that you're surrounded by at all times. So, um, it works both ways. I think both are like um, helping us accommodate death in, in our lives, but also making us realize how precious our lives are. I don't say accommodate, that's not the right word, but accept it. Yeah. 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 Accept the most, accept the thing we never want to, we don't want to accept. We never and want our brains to accept. Stop, and our brains stop us from accepting it as well, like because it's, you know, too huge. Yeah. It um, is huge because it's, it's the, it's one of, the real unknowns that we all share. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Death and taxes. Yeah. Oh, death, tax- <laughs> death, 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 taxes. And this year's special bonus, post-pandemic bonus of uh, what ten percent inflation and um, energy price hikes as well. So death taxes, ten percent inflation and energy price hikes. So this this is an interesting year. Um, <laughs> some things are more certain than others, but death and taxes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but I like, but it's true that it's the one thing that we all we all share. Um, we're all going in the same. We're all going in the same direction. We are, and like you know, when my dad was terminally ill, you know, and he was he was busy living, and he was you know he really did he really did make the most of his life. You know, I remember like saying to people like, "We're all dying." By mm, the way, yeah, we are. Yeah, like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're living, right? But we're all going to die. So, it, okay, however you yeah. say it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a heavy topic. It is, it is, especially like when you're ill with cancer. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's interesting, even like going back to my cousin, you know, and we were joking that like, oh, she could, she, because she's in design, that's the world that she's in, you know, and she'd be brilliant at like, curating death or whatever it is that she said I'm gonna have to ask her how she worded it how she words that that kind of industry but you know um there's a huge demand for it I mean yeah yeah you know it's gonna happen to all of us it's gonna happen it's it's relevant it's a huge market so um yeah it was it's been you know and also the thing I know about Dinch because we talked about this really early on when we got together it's like he is he is really scared of death it is something that really scares him. And I remember saying to him, like, okay, imagine, like, rewind and imagine if you'd actually been told from a young age that, you know, death is something that's incredibly sacred and it's an incredible experience. And where you go to is going to be all of these wonderful, blissful things. You know, I think we have to be careful with that message, don't we? Because... Yeah, yeah. But it, well, it, but I just wanted him to kind of reframe in a way... Um, but that's his own journey, you know, just thinking about it, I suppose. It's, it's really difficult. Um, and me hearing him talk about it, it's really difficult. Um, so, yeah, I, um, you know, while we're, while we're on a heavy subject, I mean, I don't know whether I should do this, but I got, 
What is in it? In the name of in the name of bad admin, I got all the letters that my um, thyroid oncologist has been writing over the last four or five weeks. Oh yes, they all came in the post yesterday. Well, you got like a bumper. You got, got them all together. Yeah. Got oh bumpers, my lord! Bumper letters, all these no, letters. No, no. Oh, and I oh, got a wow. phone call from my GP. Which when does that ever happen? Oh my gosh, they called they you. They called wow. me. I mean, I think it was also quite relevant because I think he'd opened a load of letters and I've gone. I've gone. Oh my god! I, <laughs> I better I, call I, the I, patient because I've got yes, no I, idea. I'm, I'm not up to speed on this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know my GP. I mean, you, does anyone know their GP? GP? Did you just tell the GP to just to listen to the audios? No, no. Did you have to, dude? You're too. You're so far behind. Just listen to the audio. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been genius. And then his secretary is trying to book an appointment. Sorry, he can't see today. He's very busy listening to a patient's audios. Yeah, he's got about a five hours worth to get through now. <laughs> um, no, so he he was like, listen, because I don't have a GP. Does anyone have a GP anymore? I just have a practice where I go and I'll yeah, just see just whoever, practice. not that, as Literally. we know, I see. Doctor, Dr. Roulette, I get at my practice. Well, yeah. I get, yes. Yeah. So I now get Dr. Ottolenghi. Oh, well, I'll remember that name, won't I? And he yeah. he was checking in and, and he was like, look, we've had a lot of correspondence about you. So he was like, so where are you at? And I said, shall I just fill you in? So I told him where I was at with everything. And he was he was just really nice. He said, look, we're here. Like if you need anything, if you're not getting what you need or you're struggling with side effects or there's anything like just come to us and put me down as your doctor now because, I'll, you know, I'm your doctor. But I just thought like, you know, you get treated very VIP when you've got cancer. Let me tell you, <laughs> straight up the straight up the top of the admin pile. I'm fast tracked. Okay. I'm in the fast track security speedy. lane. Speedy, yes, speedy lane. Yes, yeah, but one of these letters, I don't know. This is this is a bit difficult. Like it's a bit difficult to read. But I just thought, shall I read it to put in context, or are we clear about what I'm going through? <laughs> I'd like, I'd like, I'd like to hear it if if it's not too difficult for you to read it because I think. It, language has been a re- deconstructing language and, and the language we used to talk about um, cancer has been really part of this and I think it would be really interesting for people to hear the kind of way your illness is phrased to you by the medical profession so take some time and well be said there. well said well yeah you're welcome but take the voice time. of reason in my um, my lovely Claire um, my lovely Katie but yeah only 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 and only I mean don't push yourself through it but only read as much as you want I think I think again it goes back to like not reading these letters and I didn't expect to get a bundle of letters from the Royal Milestone yesterday it was like oh post what's this because you know we never get post anymore but I just thought okay this is probably the last one she wrote um kind of referring me to Prof Popat she even calls him dear Prof Popat which I love um and then it says what my diagnosis is. Lung hobnail variant of papillary thyroid cancer. BRAF wild type. Don't know what that is. I mean, I don't, I don't have BRAF, so I'm not sure why that's in there. ROS1. And then it's CD74 fusion positive. So it's quite a lot of things. I was just simplifying mm. it down to hobnail with a ROS1 fusion. Is that, bullet, is that bullet points? Are there three different things there or is it all one thing? It's it's like, well, if I was a doctor, I'd be, I'd be reading it like this. Small C, capital in? T, three C, you know, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, okay, fine. But it's like okay. a couple of lines. 
Um, I would be very grateful if you would consider reviewing urgently this 43-year-old lady as discussed on the phone today. She presented with a cough in September 2021, which was persistent. At that time, she was undergoing IVF treatment. She saw a respiratory physician who carried out a CT scan, which identified extensive, excuse me, I don't, I don't know how to say all these things, lymphatinophy, lymphat, no, lymphatinophy. Have to in Lynn. I'll have to get uh, the doc to say how that's really said. Within the neck, within the left neck, and a subsequent PET CT scan showed uptake within the thyroid, bilateral neck, perihilar region with involvement of lung mastitis and uptake in eighth rib. Biopsies of the neck disease, the thyroid, and also in EBUS have confirmed Hobnell variant of papillary thyroid cancer. I attach the molecular profiling, which reveals a ROS1 CD74 fusion. We know, that Hobnail var- we know that Hobnail variant of papillary thyroid cancer is an aggressive subtype, and therefore the clinical picture does fit with this. There does appear to be quite a rapid progression of her disease and we would like to see a fairly quick response to some treatment for her symptom relief. She is beginning to get short of breath. She is getting some discomfort within the neck. I feel that even though our surgeons feel they can remove the thyroid in order for us to then deliver some radioactive iodine, the response of this treatment approach may not be as quick as if she responds to ontrectinib in view of this fusion present. As this is a drug with which you are much more familiar than I am, I am very grateful for your review and consideration of administering and supervising this for Katie. If we see no significant improvement in her disease in the first couple of weeks on the drug, then we will revisit the option of surgery followed by radioactive iodine. In preparation for a review by yourself, I organised a repeat PET-CT as we are now almost a month since the previous one, MRI brain, cardiology review with Dr. Lyon, and I've asked for the pathology to be re-reviewed in light of the molecular profile. I updated Katie to expect a call from you. Many thanks. Yours sincerely. I mean, it's pretty full on, isn't it? Oh, my God. Those are the letters you... I haven't been reading. I'm not surprised. How do you feel? Uh, you seem very composed reading that, but but how do you feel reading it? Like, that so much to take, so much to take in. And so much of the language feels so a- alien and I wouldn't understand those words. Yeah, I mean, I feel quite shocked in a way. Again, again, my body, you know, my hands have gone a bit cold and I feel yeah, quite shaky. Yeah, because, but, but then the context of it is I know all of this. I do know it all, Claire. And I've, I've also relayed all of this to you. So there is nothing in there that I didn't already know. But the formality of it. Darkness of it, yeah. It's, just, it's yeah. just very formal, isn't it? It's very professional and it's very formal. And that's, again, it goes back to what I felt at the beginning, which was like, all these doctors are rushing around me doing stuff. It's like, yeah, that's their job. That is what they do. So there's nothing I don't know, you know. And the fact is, yes, it's a bit freaky when they say, like, if we don't see any significant improvement. But the thing is, I'm glad I only read this really now because I am two weeks plus into the treatment and I know it's working. I know it, you know, I can physically see and feel it working. I think if I'd read this prior to taking it, 
you would have been more anxious and more watchful yeah. of like how you were responding and you don't need that on top of everything else. So that goes in my blue folder, which I never look in, but it's full of other cancer things and Royal Marsden things. And but what, what, what I also think is... I put a, that is away. So put that away. Where do you keep <laughs> just, it? Just keep it down that- here and not really look at it. <laughs> Is there, is there a crystal in that bundle as well? That's a great you idea. To, I need to do you that. You need to put a crystal in that folder. I will. But I think what's so interesting about that letter is that she describes you as a 43-year-old lady and you hear all of these symptoms and they feel very in the abstract. But then when she – is Kate is it Kate Newbold that's written yeah. this? And then she starts using your first name and it's when she uses your, your first name for the first time. I think that for me was a real kind of like woof. Like, I mean, I know this is happening to you. I know this because we've talked about it and we're talking about it. And I know, but it's when I hear your name um, juxtaposed with, with that stuff that it makes it, it makes it, it makes it real. But also that the tenderness that she feels towards you by using your, your first name twice throughout the letter. And in a way there feels like there's a real affection and care in that letter as well. And maybe that's just a doctor trick. Maybe that's just a doctor grammar trick. But to hear to hear your name in there is both both, both sort of startling and also um, comforting because I know she's taking care of you as Katie, as the woman that I know, you know. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, and actually what's really interesting for me is that I remember speaking to her. On, I emailed her on a Sunday and spoke to her on a Monday. And it was like, you know, I was feeling really unwell. Like I was feeling those things and she's relayed that and she's reacted in response to that, which is really like, that gives me, you know, comfort. You know, you're paired for. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, You've got, a, got, a, got another good woman on your team. Yeah, I really do. And I think, you know, it's like going back to, you, you know, that's really interesting hearing your response because that's it, isn't it? It's like, here I am, it's me, it's Katie, I'm looking well, I'm doing my thing, but yet... I'm a very different Katie as well. And it's like, I was thinking yesterday, literally, you know, as I go about my life, kind of just doing stuff, you know, and some days I find like the day just goes and what of what, you know, I've been doing and I haven't got that rest in or I haven't got that meditation in and, you know, I need to factor it in and make sure I'm doing it because it's really important for me. But I was like, everything has changed and nothing has changed. And that's the only way I can describe it. Like, you know, my whole world it will never be the same again. And yet I'm still taking the dog to the park I was took him to. You know what I mean? And I'm still getting my juice from the juice place. Yeah. Paying too much. I'm still it. loading Yeah, still loading the dishwasher. Still yeah, you know. Exactly. Make, yeah. So it's kind of finding a place for this in that. Um which I think I'm sort of and I think also, you know, we talk about, you know, we chat for this time every week and it is a way for me to condense what's happening. But like, you know, there's a lot more than this half hour or hour yeah. where we're chatting yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, of, of just, yeah, of, of kind of not having like particularly deep thoughts or having particularly deep thoughts. It's like, it's just a bit mm-hmm. of a mishmash. Yeah. Um, so on Tuesday I went for my two week checkup. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, didn't know what that was going to be. I knew that Prof, Prof Popat was away, so I was going to see his colleague. And then I kind of thought, oh, I'll probably get her bloods taken. So you go to um, the MDU unit, which is the medical daycare unit. And that is full of cancer patients. Yeah. So that's where all the cancer patients go who are having treatment 
But I went and they called me and I went to have my bloods taken. And I know I kind of, you know, you get, again, very used to having blood taken with the IVF. And, you know, I was like, I'm very used to it. Um, But also just making sure that, like, is everything right? Like, are they doing everything right? Like, she was really thorough cleaning everything down. And also these nurses, they see cancer patients all the time. So they know, like, it's no kind of slip up, silly things that they might say or and it seems like a machine up there you know um so she she you know I always want to make sure they check my name and my date of birth like that's really important that they do that and then I asked her what are you taking (laughs) like what do you want from me and she was like we are going to check like your glucose uh your liver your kidney like your kind of general blood count and I said to her, look, I've been feeling really tired these last few days. Would you mind just taking my iron while you're, while you're there as well? So she got another, another um, tube out and said, yeah, of course, like, I'll do that. So she took four or five um, and then took my blood pressure, which is low, which is good. And then I went in a different spot to have the um, ECG, which is just basically like they take you into a room and it's a really quick, easy one. They test, they're testing your resting heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lovely nurse, you know, and you have to kind of take your top off, take your underwear off. And then she's like sticking these little stickers on you. And then she kind of attaches these wires. And then like, you just see on a piece of paper, it prints out like, um, squiggly lines. And, um, she stuck these stickers on and then she just, they couldn't stick. They just couldn't stick down. And I was like, oh, she goes, have you put moisturizer on this morning? And I was like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, I get out of the shower and I moisturize, <laughs> right? And yeah. I was like, they didn't tell me there was any prep. And there is prep. The prep is don't moisturize. Don't moisturize. <laughs> so what did you have to do? Did you have to, like, find, a, like, a hospital sink and start, like, slushing yourself to get it off? Or what did you do? Or did you have to get sellotape and, like, put them on? Or, like, what did you do? Well, here comes the mum joke. So I'm relaying this to my oh, mum. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm re- Thank you, mum. I'm relaying yeah. this to my mum and Dinch's with, with me and my mum. We, we were having lunch. And I was relaying what happened. And she said, well, didn't they just have some witch hazel there that they could just wipe over you? <laughs> they should have just got some witch hazel out. Just put that all over you. And did just like, you know, because if you don't know what witch hazel is, witch it hazel sounds is. a bit bizarre. What is this? What is this voodoo? Um, yeah. <laughs> She's like, huh, witch hazel? And I'm like, oh, darling, it's, it's like rose water, but it's a different yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of flower or herb. It's like organic toner. Yeah. And my mum goes, oh, yeah. witch hazel. Oh, it's fabulous. We used to use, oh, we used to use witch hazel for everything. If you had a swollen eye, you put witch hazel on it. Which, by the way, who has a swollen eye? If you had a bruise, you put witch hazel on it. You used to use witch hazel for everything. So I was like, no, mum, they didn't have any witch hazel. So basically, she just had to kind of keep trying and then change a few stickers and then, but note to self and anyone else listening, if you have an ECG, don't moisturise beforehand. Um, And then I went to see a different doctor, a really lovely woman. um, And literally, within 20 minutes, they had my bloods back, most of them. Not the iron one, because that was obviously, you know, that was an extra. But basically she was like, everything looks fine. Like all your bloods look fine. Everything looks good. She said um, there was something that she could have told. I can't remember whether, because I said to her, I think I'm anemic. And then I told her my side effects, um, funny taste, I'm a bit off balance. Like I kind of noticed, like I might kind of just lose my balance coming down the stairs or my legs feel a bit like they're slightly dragging. Um, and 
you know, she started, she kind of wrote these things down. And she said, look, I know it looks like I'm writing a lot down here, but she said, to be honest, like, I'm really pleased that you're not having, you know, any More, really... anything different, yeah. And it's this funny thing, isn't it, of me going, God, I'm so lucky. Like, these meds are really, A, like, doing what they need to do, which is just brilliant, but B, like, hardly any side effects. But you know what? It's really annoying wobbling around. And yeah. it's really annoying, like, losing your balance and not being able to taste And everything the food. tastes cordial, yeah. But, of course, I have to... <coughs> put it in context right and go especially having been to the, the medical day unit especially having seen what it could be and just go okay so I have to wobble about a bit you know wobble about a bit and t- taste like I don't know sweet cheese or yeah <laughs> have they given you have they given you any can they can you do anything for the the, the taste thing is there anything that not that they can give you or, or I don't know because it can't be uncommon. Can they give you recommendations of things Well, the to only help? thing that started to happen was I was getting like red restless leg syndrome. So at night, like, you know, part is that, of... The, is that shake? Is it shake? Like you is just want to keep moving yeah. your leg. You feel really? like there's kind of um, just like fizzy. feels like there's like someone's just put some fizzy water into your veins. And um, so I actually emailed the nurse, the clinical nurse, to say, look, you know, I'm a bit tired and I've got... Is there anything you suggest for that? um she said like try yoga which I'd love to try it again I'm not feeling it totally but I will get on the mat at some point and have a bath and just so like the last few nights it's felt better but when I go back to see Prof Popat which will be another two weeks I will ask him is there anything for any of the side effects but the truth is Claire like when I was talking to the doctor she talked about um something like for my gut health and I said look I would rather just give myself all the nutrients through my diet and then get myself back on supplements that I was on or that my nutritionist is recommending. So I don't want to like take stuff for the side effects, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. if I can I avoid it. Yeah. And like, so I'm just trying in that way to kind of keep my body drinking kefir and just, you know, just trying to kind of keep, keep my body healthy. So yeah, that was that was the kind of two week check in, and I'm not anemic, and I don't have any iron deficiency. I mean, she called me in the afternoon, and she said, "Look, iron, we're happy with between nine to thirty, mm-hmm. and you're at twenty. And I was really surprised. So, right, okay. actually, you know, my body at the moment is is kind of responding really well to the drugs, and it's not being compromised. Obviously, I've got the heart tests in a few weeks, so we'll see from there. And the ECG that you did on Tuesday, was that, did you get... So the ECG was there and then I had a heart MRI as well. And that was interesting. Actually, my mum took me to that. So I'm kind of there at reception saying, you know, I'm here for the heart MRI. And she looked at both of us. She said, who's the patient? And that was a real kind of wake up call as well. You know, she's expecting it to be my mum, you know. So... Then I go into the tube, um, the noisy tube, and I was like, oh, I hope you've got a good Spotify. And they were like, well, you're going to have lots of commands, so we actually don't put songs on with lyrics. Um, but we can play you some, like, piano music or spa music. So I was like, yeah, play some spa music. So you go into this tube, and you're basically being told, like, hold, breathe in, breathe out, hold your breath. And then I'm like counting, it's like seven seconds, breathe normally. Now I I can do that breathing, absolutely no problem. Do it always in yoga and meditation. But when it's for like an hour, it's quite a lot. And at one point I got quite panicky, which I was quite surprised about. Like I always close my eyes so I don't feel like I'm in a chamber. Um, 
but a long time. I found it. Yeah, I found it. Like, and and you know, when you're trying to get your breath, which is the thing you rely on to keep you calm, then your mind starts, you know, and you start to think. And I, I'm like, oh my god, I'm here. I'm in a tube. I'm having my heart looked at. So I and actually I, squeezed yeah. the emergency button, and I said, "Can you stop?" Like, and I yeah, was. Good for you. I wanted to get yeah. out, but he didn't actually offer me the option to get out. And I thought, if I get out and I start flustering, so I just kind of managed to calm myself down. And I said, "Can you just have longer gaps between the breath holding?" Which he did, so good. and that was better. Well and he said to me, because they actually told me it would be ninety minutes. But he said to me after an hour, and they do it the first half an hour, then they have put the contrast in you. So I had to have that again. Um, they do the clap cannula at the beginning and then the scan and then they come back and they fill it with contrast. And then he said at the end, and I said, has that been 90 minutes? And he said, actually, you, you know, you were doing really well. Like we saw really good pictures and what your heart looked like and everything. So... I was like, okay, good, phew. So I left that after an hour. But it was a long day again, and I just felt really, really tired, really tired. I'm not surprised. That's such a long time to be in one of those machines for. Yeah, it and was it's long. so loud and so claustrophobic. And I'm really proud of you for pushing the button and just saying, this is not working for me. Can you, can you kind of modify, can you modify the instructions for me? Oh, yeah, I had to. A bit more bearable. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I had to just stop it for that time. But yes, yeah. So that's been that's been where I'm at, really. That's been another week condensed into an hour. God, we need to make these shorter. Sorry, listeners. Um, but yes, it's um, yeah. There's a lot, a lot of different things that are going on. Yeah, just loads of love in your direction, Katie. I'm just in full of admiration and respect that. Um, for you yeah thank you doll thank you and um yes yeah, so i've got my call with kate newbold on monday and um a trip to istanbul with din on are wednesday going? for four nights for easter. for easter and to see his parents who obviously we haven't seen for a really long time mm. um so our next record might be from istanbul might be from the oh, bosphorus yeah. Oh yeah, well, I'll be in Portugal as well. So it's like international. Let's do it. International, international escapades. Can't wait. Um, well, listen. Yeah, we'll speak next week. Yeah. In that case, my love. Lots of love. Look after you. Bye, bye, darling. Thanks for listening to this week's Talking with Cancer. Feel free to share the show or give us a review on Apple's podcast, Spotify, or Google. It could help other people find out about us and might help someone you don't know who's got questions about cancer. Please get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Either via our Instagram, which is talking underscore with cancer, or you can email us hello at talkingwithcancer.com. See you next time. Bye.